0: Name, Carlton James, passport number 45879, dated 2nd of June, 1921. Address of residence, Eferna, Carrick and Shannon, County Littrum. Born on the 19th of April, 1886, in Ireland. Deported, United States of America, August 1933.
1: Uh, sometime around the 1930s we had great rumours of a a man by the name of Gralton that had come from America to South Eastern to his native place there he was expounding communism to a great extent and had a large following of young men and young women he had built a hall there and the people were in an awful way about it in fact he, he was despised by everybody and no matter what would happen, I think at the time, even if he was shot, the people would feel relieved and, in fact, I think, thankful.
2: Carlton was a man that was respected by all the people I in say so a lot of the people. He had a few people that uh, fell for this propaganda which was used against him, that he was an antichrist and was against religion. And at that t- time, to be... Uh, or to profess to be a member of the Communist Party was the same as saying you were an Antichrist, and a lot of people were under the opinion that if uh, uh, Galton, if he was killed, well, that would gain an indulgence and get to, gain an indulgence to get to heaven.
3: Jim Gralton was born on a small farm at Ephrana, County Leitrim, on the 19th of April, 1886. When he left school, he went to work as a shop assistant in a shop called McGann's in Carrigan-Shannon. He soon tired of this and ran away to join the British Army. He deserted from the Army and went to the United States, where he joined the Navy. After spending some years in the Navy, he returned to civilian life and got a job in a factory in New York. It was at this stage he became involved in Labour politics, helping McQuill to set up the Transport Workers' Union, protesting at the jailing of Larkin and Sing Sing on a charge of criminal anarchy, joining the James Connolly Club of New York, and eventually becoming a member of the American Communist Party. He returned to Ireland to fight in the war for independence, and it was during this period that he built a hall at Eferna Crossroads called the Pierce Connolly Hall. In the stormy years that followed the hall was used as a people's court and Gralton himself led agitation for the division of big farms and bogland in Roscommon and Leitrim. Property and land were taken over and Gralton, the political agitator became known throughout the area. When the Civil War began he took the Republican side and returned to the States after their defeat. In 1932 he returned from America. A brother who had worked family farm had died. And on his return, he made contact and became a member of the Revolutionary Workers' Groups, the embryonic Communist Party of Ireland. His return to Drumsna was greeted with some unease and trepidation. Paddy Grelton. In
2: 1932, he came back from America. And um, a lot of us young people, brought pressure on him to open the hall. So he said that uh, we could open it if we wished, but that we would be getting into difficulties with the clergy. The hall was opened anyway, and there were fair crowds for some time. Then Father O'Dowd started that uh, this Gralton was back again and that he was a communist agent, and for no one to go to the hall. Still the people kept going, not as much as in the beginning. Then he, he went round to all the houses... Of, that had people, that, whose people were going to the hall and he and brought pressure on them not to go near the hall. Father Cosgrove was preaching s- Sunday after Sunday as well as Father O'Dowd in um, Uh Father O'Dowd in particular, uh, about this communist in uh, our midst and um, he was a paid agent and um, for um, the people... Um, going to the hall, that uh, if they didn't cease going, that if there was work or anything going on, that they mightn't be coming to him. And he, he brought great pressure, terrible pressure, on, on the people of uh, the locality. And if there any people from the outside came in, he got half of the priests in that locality to preach the following Sunday, which happened uh, up in Eslin. And the same happened down in Kilturbert, with a Father McGarvern, where people from that parish came to the hall and this other, Father McGarvern, was out the following Sunday and telling him what happened to the people. He had put horns on them and this and that, and that he put horns on Gralton. So Gralton t- said that he heard that Father McGarvern had put horns on him, and he, he mentioned at a meeting that he'd be very glad that he put horns on him, that uh, he'd make a far easier livelihood, that he'd go into a circus. Having
0: regard, he said, to what our bishop stated on this matter... At the last visitation, and what the people heard from the Lenten pastorals and from our Holy Father, the Pope, it should not be necessary to tell that communism is the enemy of all religion and subversive of ordered government. They had evidence, however, that certain people still required enlightenment, and the fact stated in the leaflet would go a long way to dispel any ignorance that existed about the ultimate objects and anti-Christian methods of this diabolical system. They were told to avoid it as they would the Black Plague and to flee from the professed communists as they would from a poisonous serpent. If, in the physical order, the authorities found it necessary to ostracise an individual, Whose presence was dangerous to the health of the community, there might be sympathy for the unfortunate individual, as for the lepers of old, but everybody would admit that the public safety. He uh,
2: he um, he became involved in the unemployed movement in the thirties, and uh, he attended a meeting in Langford, and uh, I believe there were over a thousand people marched that day, and he addressed that meeting himself and a gentleman by the name of Dan Laid who was chairman of the unemployed workers movement at the time and uh, he also uh, helped to reinstate a man down in Roscommon who was evicted from his holding and he addressed the meeting that day and there was pressure brought on him by the republicans who were there to address the meeting. He didn't want to do it but they insisted because he was the only one that was any good uh, speaking at the time he, he was agitating a lot for get roads done and rivers and uh, he joined uh, the Fianna Fall Club here in Sna and he, he used to bring up a lot of um, projects such as getting roads done and rivers and he agitated strong and he had the support of the club in those demands and uh, next the word came from headquarters of the Fianna Fáil party that he be expelled from the club so there was a gentleman here, who was the chairman of the club at the time, by the name of Burden—I don't know his Christian name—and he uh, was very great with Jim, and he advised him to l- get out of the club quietly. That he didn't want—he uh, didn't want the nasty job of expelling him. So he, he he ceased attending the meetings.
3: Now it's quite obvious that his activities in the hall, classes in political indoctrination, and so on, were very important in the final leading up to his deportation
2: well as far as uh, and I can remember there was never any classes of, of indoctrination the only indoctrination was that he was getting the people to stand on their own feet, two feet and demand a decent livelihood for themselves and their families and he was um, a great man for the youth because uh, he, when the hall was open first he had music lessons, he had dancing lessons, Irish classes, and English classes.
3: No, my parents wouldn't let me go to it because they thought that I'd turn over and be a communist or turn over my religion too, which was naturally, I would never turn over anyway, but I still wasn't at go.
4: Communist plan to stir up agrarian strife, recruits to Red Army, plot to promote cattle drives and raids on big farms, secret congress at Trim. A Red Army established in Ireland, Communists' next move to wreck society.
5: Well, this evening, Father uh, O'Dowd came here. He was after being told that we were going to fire into the hall that night and told me not to fire into it. So I went and met my company and I told them that what I was after hearing. And they said that it didn't make any difference what the priest did, that they were going to fire into it Anyway, so it went on and they did fire into the hall.
4: Pierce Connolly Hall at Gowell County Leitrim has been gutted by incendiaries who first soaked the hall with paraffin. Thus the working people of the area have lost the only hall they had for social and meeting purposes. This piece of blackguardism was carried out on Christmas Eve and followed several other attempts to destroy the hall. A few days earlier, a landmine was placed under it but failed to do much damage. Some weeks previously, a volley of revolver shots was fired at the hole while a dance was in progress.
2: He also helped to reinstate a man down on Roscommon. I think it was the early Kingston's estate and the man in the gatehouse was evicted. So a lot of Republicans went down and a few was asked to come with us so he came. And uh, he was asked to address the meeting, which he did. And at that meeting, it was funny the way that uh, even the few things that he did say were misinterpreted. I remember him saying that this present crisis is not a a national crisis. It is a crisis of the whole international capitalist system. And coming home, some of them lads were said laughingly, well, Christ, I thought it's what he said... uh, there's, this is another. There's another Christ here, or there's several crises. What he said was, this is a, not a, a national crisis; is it? it? Is an international crisis of the whole capitalist system. So the people just misinterpreted it. What he said.
4: Carrick on Shannon, Monday, on the motion of its chairman, Mr. Henry McMurrow, seconded by Mr. Michael McGrath, Leitrim County Board of Health, passed the following resolution at a special meeting. We observe with great concern the spread of a godless campaign within this county under the guise of communism, and as public representatives we emphatically and publicly condemn such teaching in our midst. As representatives of a Christian community, we call upon the government to take a firm stand to eradicate this evil propaganda from among us, and we assure the government of our active support in any action they may take to uphold the warnings of the Catholic hierarchy against the spread of this evil. Mr McMurray said that if it were necessary he would take a sword and rouse the clans of Breffni and do a man's part to put an end to this devil's work.
2: And then Father O'Dowd mentioned Sunday after Sunday that uh, if Galton was to remain in the area that he wouldn't be in it, that either him or, or Galton would have to go. So he, he, he rose, rose up very bitter feelings against them and uh, he, he mentioned this 14... 14 communists in the area and
3: um, Were there 14 communists in the area at not,
2: the time? Not at all not at all there, was, there would be a, those were people who stuck up by they were all, mostly all neighbours and a lot of them should get credit because they had an awful lot to lose at the time My father had a small shop and um, some of those people who came to the shop uh, some of them left after the meeting in the Sna for the very reason that I introduced O'Donnell they thought that um, I shouldn't have gone against the clergy
3: How was the deportation of Gralton brought about?
2: Well all, the clergy of this parish and the parish of Kiltorbot and Kiltorhart and Anna Duff were all, all opposed to Gralton and uh, then the Bishop of Arden and, and Clan McNoyes. I'd say that t- through him he brought pressure on the Minister for Justice, who was uh, Mr Gahagan, who was TD and Minister for Justice for Longford at that time. That is, is not my opinion, but it's the pe- the opinion of the majority of the people in this locality.
1: My name is Joseph Mooney of Drumshanbo a member of Leitrim County Council. My father, the late Andrew Mooney, was also a member of the Leitrim County Council and a member of the Leitrim Board of Health. Uh, My recollection regarding the Granton affair is rather hazy, as I was young at the time, Uh, except what I may have gleaned from newspaper cuttings. But as far as I can recollect... My father did sponsor uh, a notice of motion in the 30s, calling, or, uh, calling on the government, the then government, to deport uh, James Gralton uh, on the basis that he was engaged in communist activities and was promoting communism in, in the area, or in his native area. Um, that stand at the t- at the time by my father was supported in an editorial in a weekly paper, and it uh, was suggested in that editorial that similar stands should be made by the other public bodies in the country. There was a, a rumor at that time that a world congress of communism was to be held in Galway and it was with the object of preventing such a Congress being held that my father took the stand at that time.
3: Jim Gralton was a naturalised American citizen. On February 3rd, 1933, a deportation order was issued. As an undesirable alien, he was ordered to leave the country before March the 4th. A local defence committee was formed opposing deportation and demanding a trial. Gralton went to see Pather O'Donnell.
5: A man arrived on my doorstep uh, one day. I said he was in Chamber Grelton and he was being deported from Leithram. And uh, he wanted to know what I would do about it. Uh, I had read in the papers that a man had that of the deportation, I thought it was a shame that a man born in Ireland should be deported. But when Grelton arrived on the doorstep, I, being a countryman, I decided that I'd like to know whether he was backed by his neighbours or not. Because a man could be all right and have the neighbours against him, but he couldn't be all wrong and have the neighbours with him. And I said I'd go up on the Saturday night evening gather the neighbours and then gather the neighbours into his kitchen and I'd meet them. And I arrived there to a packed house. So I realised that he had a good standing with the neighbours and that was all the proof I wanted of of, of whether what sides should take and I went to the to mass that Sunday next day uh, went to mass Drumsna, and the priest preached a rather violent sermon which was aimed at uh, well aimed at me really because the notice of the meeting was, uh, was posted up and uh, at the meeting itself there were, there were, I don't know what the crowd had been like but the priest was very hostile and he ordered the people to attack me which they did with considerable enthusiasm and uh, I got hammered of the place. Um, my attitude was that if a man born in Ireland had done something that was wrong, well there was law to deal with him. And if there, if there wasn't law, we'll pass laws. But to deport a man born in Ireland for some reason was ridiculous.
2: There was a meeting at Granton's house the night before and it was decided that uh, a gentleman would introduce the speakers. This gentleman was uh, also an American citizen, and he volunteered to introduce the speaker after Mass. So we went to Lemsná Mass that day, but um, as we arrived at the church, Mass was already going on, as the priest had it earlier than usual. And uh, Father Cosgrove was outside the church himself, and he got another priest to same Mass. So we entered the church, and anyway, we were only in a few minutes, when Father Cosgrove came... In, but in on the, went in on the sacristy door and came out on the altar and said that uh, five or six anti-god men were after arriving and for the people to clear away and not to listen to them that they were agents of antichrist so when mass was over then uh, we went over to a tree and uh, Father Cosgrove was out very fast to our heels and he came over to this gentleman that uh, was to address the meeting and he says, if you open your mouth, you'll be the next for Waterloo. So this man got cold feet and he wouldn't address the meeting, so O'Donnell says, what will we do now? So I said, well, I'll I'll introduce him. So I introduced Mr O'Donnell, and uh, the next thing, Father Croswell came on and waved his arm and says, take them down, take them down. So the missiles started flying from all directions. And there was one old lady in particular, Sarah Gulravey, and she was uh, she used to do a bit of work for this gentleman. And she had her apron or a skirt full of mud balls, and she started throwing them, and a few others took up the to, to throwing as well. And um, O'Donnell and I were all clobbered, so we had to abandon the meeting. I, I was in a very advantageous position at the time, I was on three, and there wasn't that many people started throwing them out. the mud all the good decent people they, they kept looking on and some of them went home but there was only a few people that uh, done the throwing and uh, when we got down after three some of those gentlemen went to attack us and uh, Donald O'Reilly struck one of them and took him to the ground so they kept back after that then we had to retreat down the, to the village and another gentleman said that we should be thrown into the Shannon. So we went, we had to go home then and uh, all those men had tea in my father's house and uh, the guards came out to see they don't want any protection. We were to hold a meeting in, the, in Gowell after Mass as well. So Adonis says, you uh, give us damn poor protection in them snaw. So I don't see what's the use of uh, you coming to protect us here. So we we abandoned the meeting in, in Gowell because some of those blackguards that done the throwing, and, and one called them blackguards they were just misled by the clergy. They came on to Goul as well to have another go at us if we did hold the meeting after Mass. But we had a meeting at Efron across us that evening and uh, the majority of the neighbours turned out hear the speakers.
3: The meeting at Drumsnau was held on Sunday, March 5th, one day after the expiry date of the deportation order. Gralton, his supporters in Dublin, and some of the neighbours decided to resist deportation without trial. On March 3rd, Gralton went underground.
2: Gralton went on the run, and the neighbours all gathered and helped uh put in the crop and do the jobs for him. He um, went. To, he was on the run. He, le- as I said, he left uh, pri- a few days prior to the fourth of March, or the day before it, and uh, he went on the run. He, he was in Dublin for a few weeks, and he came back, and he came back to his own house. Then he went to neighbour's houses, and he kept in the locality, in the immediate locality, for a long time. A deputation went to the Leetham County Council, including his mother, demanding that he get a trial. And it got great publicity, as there was a deputation from the road workers there the same day looking for an increase in wages. And I happened to be act as spokesman for the road workers that day, and... Uh, When Gralton's case was brought up of course there was a a great uproar and shouting and uh, support for Gralton and a great great publicity on the papers. And a few days after there was 14 houses raided in the locality. And Gralton wasn't one of them but he made his escape thanks to a gentleman um, whose house was also raided and he knew Gralton was in his uncle's house and he Went in his shirt and trousers and bare feet to his, the house, which was convenient to his own, and told Gralton that the guards were searching. And Gralton got away, and when the, when the guards arrived,
4: he
0: was gone. With the slogan, Jim Gralton shall not leave Ireland, a strong Gralton Defence Committee has been established in Dublin to resist the deportation order served on Jim Gralton, a Leitrim working farmer by the Fianna Foyle government. The meeting elected Patrick Flanagan, NUR, as chairman. Prominent members of the Irish Academy and other writers, including Frank O'Connor, F.R. Higgins, Pather O'Donnell, Dennis Johnson, Frankson Stewart, Lyle Donaghy and Don Piat, have joined the committee of which Lyle Dunaghy and Donald O'Reilly are joint secretaries.
3: Why, in a county like Leitrim, where there was a large Republican following, did they allow the deportation of Gralton?
6: Where you say a large Republican following in Leithram, I would say that the Republican movement in Leithram, which was numerically strong, was a movement that had no political philosophy whatsoever. And that the vast majority of the men in Leithram, I suppose the same as in every other place, who joined the Republican Army and the Republican movement, joined solely for one aim. For to liberate Ireland from the visible signs of Britain, namely the British Army. And after they were out, that was as much as we could see. Now, I would say that in Leithram, perhaps there would be the most neighbourly people that you would get in any part of Ireland and if there was anything wrong with Jim Gralton other than what he was branded as there would be very few who would not come to his aid but the whole question of communism at that time from 1932 onwards was continually talked of on the pulpits on the press and various other ways of the mass media on the whole question of communism and communism was not talked of to the people as something that was going to help small farmers or break up ranches or give decent wages or jobs to the people it was something that was going to destroy something that was very dear to the people and to the people of Leithram the same as every place that it was that it was going to destroy the religion that it was going to deny God and all that sort of thing and therefore the people who didn't understand had got to make up their minds of where their loyalties were 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 they going to be loyal to the clergy that were the People who led them spiritually, or were they going to be loyal to somebody that the, some man that the that the clergy and bishops condemned, who had some philosophy that the people couldn't understand, or never knew anything about? So therefore, I would say that the people didn't rally. For the simple reason is that they didn't understand and they accepted the leadership of, a lo- of, of, of the people that they had loyalty to, which was the bishops, aided and abetted perhaps by politicians who they never saw.
3: Could you describe the final meeting you had with Gralton?
6: Well, I remember the deportation order that was issued against Jimmy Gralton. And uh, in the agitation which followed for a trial no deportation but it was a trial I didn't take any part I was a member of the Republican movement and volunteer in the IRA and uh, the IRA took no line on the whole question of deportation but I had known Gralton and known some of his friends and uh, I remember while he was on the run he sent for me once for to meet him but I did meet with him and talk with him for about an hour He explained the whole position to me very clearly. The whole question of he was a socialist and why he was a socialist. And uh, the system of capitalism and the system of landlordism and all the things like that which he explained to me in an hour while he was a wanted man, while he was on the run. And in the course of that hour I would say that It had a big effect, what he said to me, on the changing of my mind and making me begin to think in terms on the rights of wrongs of the system and the rights of wrongs of the whole question of the deportation of this man. And from that time on, I made up my mind that I was intended for to take part in the anti-deportation agitation and come in on the side, which I was new to, prior to that. And I did intend for to fix him up, or to get through influence that I had, to fix him up in the sort of things that a man on the run needs—billets, all the things connected with a man—to save him from being caught by the police. At about half past twelve
0: on Saturday. Jim Grelton was captured in the house of a small farmer by the name of Frank Burden of Brandrum between Mohill and Balnamore. He was in bed at the time that the police and CID entered his house. There were ramblers in the house, and as they were about to go home, two police and a CID man rushed in and shouted Hands up They then went for the room, Jim was in. And the CID man took the lamp off the wall as they said they needed a light as such. The CID man and the boy had a scuffle in which the globe of the lamp was broken. They then rushed up into the room and captured Jim. When they took him down to the kitchen, Jim shook hands with them all. And going out the door, he said, So long, boys. I'll return to Ireland when we have a workers' republic. He was brought to Balnamore Barracks, and on Saturday he was brought to Cork. He passed through Carrick and Shannon. Several of Gralton's old neighbours called at Carrick Barracks to see if he was there, to bid him farewell, but all missed him, as the guards said he would not pass that way. But he did pass through Carrick, and as he was delayed at the barrack for about five minutes, several people were out with cameras, and they snapped him as he entered the barracks.
3: Jim Gralton was arrested on Saturday, August 12th, 1933, and deported from Cove on the following day to the United States. The fare was paid for money found in his possession. There is a difference of opinion as to how successful an activist to Gralton was. Pather O'Donnell.
5: Gralton had a habit of urging his mission or self adopted mission I don't suppose he was charged with any mission in relation to time in Ireland but he chose to uh, look on himself as a kind of a missioner, um, and he talked uh, to the people to lead them, them the way he might have talked to uh, a crowd or a, or a pretty politically minded urban crowd uh, and even then he, he would have been called to order for a lot of nonsense he talked things that had nothing to do with agitation of, of workers see, anti-cleric, anti-clericalism has made the central theme for a man's um, um, agitation it's a middle class term, it's a middle class form of agitation, workers may cease going to mass or cease going to church but, uh, they, uh, but they, they don't set their out to attack clerics, they forget about them and uh, he was a particularly bad subject in that way and after all a more sensitive a, more, a, sensitive, a sensitive question in rural Ireland is the question of uh, an attack on the priest and especially when it's done in a con- context that where he's doing nothing except just uh, his ordinary duties if it was in the midst of an agitation the priest was taking a different side from the popular movement then uh, you would attack him as, the, as an opponent but not necessarily as a priest. He was a bit of a damn fool, really. Um, um, I don't call it advanced when a man talks in terms that far exceed any possibility of response from from the people that he's addressing. I think that's just a piece of play acting. And uh, I, I think he was a bad subject in that way, that he talked a lot of irrelevancies. And um, the only the, the central thing, the only thing, the only thing that, that interested me was that I thought the deportation was wrong. And uh, I've, I'm back to my that. I'm back to on that level. But uh, uh, on the question of the kind of way in which he advocated uh, change, I don't think he had any any sense of politi-
3: any political sense in the world. You're in fact saying that he wasn't a political thinker.
5: Oh, he wasn't, but I don't think he was a thinker at all. He was a man that had life, that gave him a lot of kicks probably, and he adopted communism as his form of response to his experiences, but uh, he didn't know how to preach it or teach it. And uh, I think he was a very, very bad advocate of the the cause that he espoused. But I don't think he had any philosophic understanding of communism.
6: My name is... Paddy Early and I come from close to the home of Jim Gralton. We were coming from a parade of the IRA where we were drilling and parading and doing it fairly openly at the time, and I remember a half a dozen of us coming back the road on bicycles, and he came into the crowd where we were, and he was talking politics as far as he could and trying to explain to us young fellas. And he said, I suppose you fellas are all very happy now that Cosgrave is out and De Valera is in the jail gates are open there's no more police brutality everything is dory. but he explained that there would be no difference, that the men who were released from jail, if they continued with the republican programme and policies would be put back again because the fina fall or or. Fianna Fáil or de Valera government would not change the system. They might try to make it a bit work slightly different but as soon as it was touched by any peoples or any organisations that differed from the regime that the machine would be put into practice again the very same as the old one and that the men would have to go back to jail, the same repressive measures would be used against Men who were agitating one way or another for republicanism, for land agitation, trade union strikes, increases in wages or anything else. At that time, of course, we listened. But we didn't pass, give it a terrible lot of heed to what he said because we didn't understand. And it's only when you experience the thing that your mind goes back to that particular Sunday when... Jim Gralton, a man with experience in America working in an industrial environment and also with a political experience,
3: you can realise now how correct his statements were. It is easy but unfair to blame either the people or the politicians of Leiton. They were simply reflecting the national feeling at the time. The Eucharistic Congress had taken place the previous year in 1932 and religious feeling was high. It was only 16 years after the Russian Revolution. There was an economic crisis in the Western world and Europe was dividing into two camps, the left and the right. In Ireland there were running battles between Republicans and the newly formed Army Comrades Association. The prelates, newspapers and politicians warned of a communist takeover. How real was this threat? Historian,
7: Donald McCartney. Well, I don't think it was was very uh, real in Ireland, in in the circumstances at all, except that uh, people could point to the fact that there was a collapse uh, in the economy, generally, in 1929 and into the early 1930s. And then people looked to what might happen. The situation simply was that Mr de Valera was around. It was known that he had then the support of the IRA. The IRA had a wing to it which was very left-wing. The people who, under Padre O'Donnell and Gilmore and others, would become Ser Erre in 1931. And uh, de Valera did uh, regard, uh, or did look to the IRA for support at that time. There was always what one might call a socialist wing to the IRA, going back into the early days of Sinn Féin. a left wing which concentrated on agrarianism, particularly in the western counties. You had it in Sligo, in Mayo, Roscommon, Leitrim, Donegal. People who felt that they hadn't succeeded, as it were, under the uh, land acts. Uh, These were the poorer farmers. The Cosgrove administration had concentrated a great deal on the fairly strong farmer. Now, this meant, of course, that small farmers and farm labourers were in a very bad way, and these people were using a certain amount of revolutionary talk in the late 1920s, early 1930s, and they had the support of Mr. de Valera. In fact, Mr. de Valera came to power with the help of those people, using their argument on the land annuities and so on. Uh, Now, it was suspected by right-wing groups at the time in Ireland by supporters of the Cosgrove administration that Mr. de Valera would be a socialist. One was only to read Dennis Gwynne's 1933 biography of de Valera to see him describe Mr. de Valera as a socialist, backed uh, by the alliance of left-wing labour and possibly going to emerge, uh, Ireland going to emerge as some kind of socialist republic. It's a a bit laughable looking back on from uh, our vantage point, but the the threat was very much there at the time. James Gralton never
3: returned to Ireland. He died in New York on the 29th of December.